sometimes I feel like that song is the most unfair of them all. And when you think about the opening words, how deep the Father's love for us. And uh, I can't sing that song sometimes. I just can't. Because it reminds me of how little I am. How magnificent he truly is. And uh, aren't you glad we serve a God that loves us and cares about us? And in fact, how many times we have failed him. And yet he loves us all the more. All the time. And uh, what can I possibly do to gain his interest? And you realize that song was written in 1963. That's a relatively new song, but it's a powerful song indeed. Okay, I'll do my dead level best. Let's take our Bibles and let's go to Isaiah chapter 53. While you're turning there, I want us to think about something that just disturbed me in the night. And I was, I think it was Thursday night or something like that. I was awakened with this thought. Who is going to believe what we have to say? Who really believes the message of Christ in us? I I don't know if it was just a combination of things, but I had uh, two men dressed in black, black bow tie, white shirt, things like that. They called themselves elders, and they visited my home the other day. And uh, I looked at their eyes, and, and I thought, you put me to shame by your actions, but you, you have all the wrong reasons. And we're going to get into that as well. But here we are in a small group of people. And it doesn't matter how many we have, but we could have a church building full. But if there is not a combination of Christ living in us, and we truly know him as our Savior, then what good is our message? I really am thankful for the songs like what we just heard today because those songs mean a lot to me. It reminds me of the whole series of songs. You know, that just when you think about it, how great thou art, you know, of all the ones that we could possibly sing to, how great you truly are, O oh God. And then to conclude with how deep his love for us, how powerful is that music. And then there's many people in this world, and I'm thinking, Lord, what is left? What can I do to, to be an encouragement? How can I help others? And it was while I thought upon those things, and I woke up, and I finally just had to get up, I began to think about the scriptures, and I would turn to Isaiah chapter 53. And once again, we're going to read all 12 verses, so I pray you'll bear with me. And it says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall go up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and esteemed him not. Surely 
He has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him smitten, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he is cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when, he was, when, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see of the travail of his soul. He shall be satisfied by the knowledge shall by righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgression. Let us pray. Father, again, I want to thank you for this passage. And I pray, Father, that you will guide this, this very day, that I might be able to preach the Word of God. We still have many things we'd like to do today, that with the business of the church, and of course the meal to follow. And all of these things are just a real indication of how much we love each other. But Lord, as we have this moment... Let us be mindful of the things that you have written from your word, that we might understand that we have been called and separated from this world, that we have been loved so deeply, so deeply by you, love that goes beyond the comprehension of who we are, love that was made mentioned in John chapter 14 and 15 and even 16 how that we can enjoy each other's company, that we can show love to you by loving one another, Lord, that we can understand that the pricelessness of your love because how much you gave for us. And Lord, every time that I open up the scriptures, I am made aware that you have called someone so unworthy to be a preacher of the gospel, to be a witness before all the people that you put me in touch with. And Lord, I want to thank you for the goodness that you show me. You have blessed me more than I deserve to be blessed. And Lord, every one of us can attest to that because how precious you are to us. And Lord, I pray today that you will give the power to preach the word, that we may stand strong, that we might know the true feelings that you give us, the truth of thy word, the truth of all the things that are written from thy word. And Lord, let, let those things be made especially for us that we might 
hold them ever so truly. So guide and bless, we pray thee, Father, and help us that we might take these things to heart, and may we understand the things that are given, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Today, as we begin, I want us to think about verse 1 in particular. Who hath believed our report? You know, when we go into the world, there's so much that we begin to consider. And, and I mean, there's religion on every hand. I don't know how many of you know this, but and I've got this letter literally right, written down on my notes. But if we go back to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, and verse 11, that one verse has been long-standing on its own, and no one would dare touch it, because it speaks of salvation and the plan of God for us and ourselves. But the world in its wisdom, and understand there is a worldly wisdom, there is a demonic wisdom, and the world in all of its wisdom wants to change that to say, well, if you follow God, you will be prosperous. No, I'm not going to be prosperous. I'm going to know the expected end of God because I want to be so close to him. And, and here's the thing. If I'm building only what is treasured upon this earth, what is there left for me to build in heaven? What is more important to me is this number of souls that I can reach for Christ upon this earth. There's a beautiful little song we used to sing called The Crown of, of the Lord's Jewels. Precious jewels, holy jewels, are meant for his kingdom. And the reality is, is that every soul that I reach for Christ, I reach because he has added to me that opportunity. But it is how I live before others, how others see me, that they begin to either be drawn to the things of Christ, or they begin to see me as a hypocrite. It's interesting that I talk to each and every one of us every day, and, and, I, and as I get the opportunity, especially on Sunday mornings, we talk about things, we find that this world is so full of corruption. And you know, it's interesting is that as we talk about it, we find drugs on every hand, we find challenges on every hand, we find everything around us. And yet, out of all the cacophony of sin that is out there, the Lord God has seen fit to reveal to us Jesus Christ in a very powerful way. Now think about that for a moment. So we have been called to something better. Who has believed our report? Who has received? Look, look at this verse again. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? What is interesting is that as I begin to think a little bit more about how that Christ has been revealed to me, every day I draw a little closer to him. And by reading the word of God, I find something powerful. I'm going to show you something, and I don't know how many of you have had the opportunity to see this, but let's turn to the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, as I've been reading through the Bible again this year, I love going in and, and underscoring different things. Now, understand, we see something similar to us that is written over in the book of Revelation, the last chapter, where it speaks on anyone who adds or takes away. But notice what it says in verse 2 of Deuteronomy chapter 4. You shall not add unto the word which I commanded you. command you. Now, I want you to get this for a moment. 
A lot of times people want to say that we lose something in translation. What is interesting is that the more that I, I, I learn the Hebrew, the more that I obtain the Hebrew, the more I understand that this is written to people who do not know Jesus Christ. People who want to add their own remedy for salvation. So I want you to get this. There are many people that they have already added. Well, you keep the law, and if you keep the law, then you're going to be saved. There's no promise that if we keep the law that we're going to be saved. If you're circumcised, you're going to be saved. There's no promise that you're going to be saved even if you're circumcised. So when you begin to add to the Word of God, you begin to add things that are not written in the Word of God. By the way, why do we have the law? The law was given to us to show us our failures and our shortcomings. Why do we have the tabernacle in the wilderness? To show us that the holiness of God could not even be seen by the world. And that on the outskirts, it doesn't seem like God is that important to us. Think about that for a moment. When the enemies would look upon the valley and they would see the multitude of great Israelites that were scattered abroad, maybe two and a half million people at that time, and they would see in the middle of rinky-dink little tabernacle. Your God has a tabernacle? And how many of us can see the riches of that tabernacle? Do you realize that there was the Shippenwood Ark and the mercy seat was made of gold? How many of us can see that? Not one person. How many of us can see the, the beautiful lampstand or the, the table of showbread or the incense altar or the incense devices? No, the only thing we could actually see was the brazen altar and the brazen labor, which were given to us to help us understand we are... If you want to understand this, is that the day is going to come where I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and I will give an account for everything. Now, does that mean I can't laugh? No, God gave me laughter for a reason. Does that mean I have to walk around with such piousness that people don't know if I'm the Pope or not? No, the thing is that. The reality is, is that if I am truly in Jesus Christ, I want to commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. The thing that was interesting, <coughs> the Lord gave the law to these Israelites. The law that he gave also came with a penalty. If we cursed God or if we went out into, you know, on the Sabbath day and we weren't, we could literally be put to death for that. If there was more than anything, if a woman was found pregnant out of wedlock, she could be put to death for that. Reality is, is that every one of us, whether we have committed adultery, whether we, we have uh, added things to the Word of God, whatever, those things are there ever in our presence. And praise God for grace which has forgiven us. Do you realize David was a partaker of grace? David should have died and his sins and when you had the prophet that came in and said thou art the man you've done wrong you but God has forgiven you you understand that the more that we add unto the word or take away from it we put in our own slant what bothers me about Jesus 
chapter 29, verse 11, people want the Word of God to fit their imagination. And yet the responsibility we have is not to understand the imagination of God, but the truth of God. God doesn't change. God is real. God sent only one salvation, not multiple salvations. And that salvation is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And while the Jews have rejected Jesus Christ as a nation, and they have rejected His truth, the reality is they also know that Jesus Christ is the only one that can give them life. He's the only one with hope. When I saw those two men come to my doorstep the other day, and they, they said, well, we, we're just here from the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I mean, they didn't hide who they were. And one guy would just, just seemed like he was not the normal character. <laughs> he was just very sure of himself. And I was listening to them, and I went, well, gentlemen, thank you so much. And here's the question they asked me. Are there any other people that you know of that's not going to church anywhere in the area? And there was a part of me that wanted to say, well, I might know them, but I'm not sending them your way. But then, at the same time, I also have to look in my own self in the mirror and say, what am I doing to see Jesus Christ as my Savior and letting the world see him as well? When I take a look at this report, the thing is they have already broken Deuteronomy chapter 4 where it says that they have added a book. Do you realize that they say, oh, well, we want you to read, we want you to read the King James Bible. Man, that's a great book. But if you really want to understand it, you better have our book. It's called Jehovah's Witness. And everything that's in that book is a lie. It's a barefaced lie. And you know, the reality is there's some good things. And I had a man one time tell me, he goes, I was saved out of the Mormon ministry. And he said, I came out of, out of the Mormons. And he goes, and all I've ever heard was the preaching against Mormonism and against Mormonism and against Mormonism. He said, I am sick and tired of hearing about it. What do I do? Let me tell you something. Don't forget the good. Because there's a lot of good that can happen in this world. But remember the truth. Let me just tell you something. I don't have to preach against Mormonism. I don't have to preach against Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't have to preach against Catholicism. All those things are wrong. But may I point this out to you? If I really want to examine the truth, I examine it by looking at the entirety of God's Word, the truth of God's Word. The reason that that song that moved me so much today, how deep the Father's love for us, I understood immediately the, the great impact upon His love upon me. How many of us understand that great impact of love? How deep the Father's love for us? It goes beyond our comprehension. But again, this is the truth that we all understand. Many times I think we don't give enough understanding to the Holy Ghost. Let's take our Bible and let's go to the book of Romans. Again, we're going to try to come back here to our particular passage of Scripture in Isaiah 53. But I'd like for us to go to Romans chapter 8. Now, again, this is a better, this is a lengthy reading, but I want us to read the entire chapter together or as much as we can. And I want you to look at the, the, the power that God 
begins to display even in the working of the Holy Spirit. Now understand, the Holy Spirit does not want the attention for himself because the entire purpose of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Christ. But see if that's not what it says in Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. How many of us can actually say we walk after the Spirit? Did you realize that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, I send to you the Comforter, and he shall guide you in all truth. If I am devoted to the things of Christ, I truly understand that the Holy Spirit is guiding me into all truth. Look what else it says in verse 2. For the law in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Even the Apostle Paul understood that he did not come to this understanding on his own, but the Holy Spirit had to bring that power unto him to help him understand the intervening part of Jesus Christ in his life. When Jesus Christ called out to Paul and said, Paul, and he saw that being persecuting Christ Jesus the Lord. He was the one who could not understand how these people who he was throwing in jail and making their life miserable, how that they were the ones that showed a greater love and a greater joy than he could ever understand. For what is the law could not do? And again, I want you to look at verse 3. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Now, who made that real to us? Look at verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Do you realize that, yes, I walk after Christ, but who is the one that condemned me and brings that understanding that I need to walk after Christ? Is it not the Holy Spirit? Look at verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that do after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. How many of us have ever read Galatians chapter 5 where it says the fruits of the Spirit? Love, peace, long-suffering, all of be demonstrated in me. Let me point this out to you. A lot of people love to ridicule me because of the hard work that I show. But do you realize that even in the work that I do before my fellow man, I do because Christ has given himself for me. All that I say, all that I do, ought to be for the glory of God. How many of us know that? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whatsoever you shall eat or drink, or whatsoever you shall do, do all for the glory of God. The best. The best. If all the best you have is just a pair of ratty jeans and come to church anyway. But, you know, we, it used to be a time where we always wanted to wear our best for the Lord. Look what else it says. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not the subject of the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now this is a beautiful thing. 
but ye are not in the flesh. Aren't you glad we're not in the flesh? We have come in today, yes, we're carrying around this old carcass. But how beautiful it is when the saints come together and we begin to sing the praises of God. We begin to listen to the Word of God in such a way that it means something to us. And so that the Spirit of God dwell in you now, if any man may not in the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Brother Randy, I'm righteous. Not because of what I've done, but because Christ is in me. Do you understand that, my brother? Brother Randy, again, I want you to understand, God loves me. And he's there. And I can go to every one of these individuals that are in the church and I can say, do you realize I am righteous, not by my own, but I'm kept. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, I am in the Spirit. I am sealed with the Spirit of promise. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 11 says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Is that not the rapture? Is that not redemption? Is that not something that we as saints should look forward to? I am even the we receive the glorification that he has promised then I shall verse 12 says therefore brethren we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh for if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. <laughs> How many of us have ever wondered why we have this life already? The truth is, God's not done with us yet. All I see everywhere that I look. I see wickedness on every hand, and it doesn't match the very principles of the scripture. I hear preachers proclaiming that they are something that they're not. I see people that are falling away from the truth of the word of God and we are living in a state where people are constantly referring against the things of truth. You want to know what the qualifications of a preacher are? Read 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7. You want to see the qualifications of a deacon? Go read First Corinthians or First Timothy chapter three, eleven. It says, verse fourteen: For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know, when I was a young man, I felt the call of God to salvation. But if my life had ended right then, I would be with Christ. But every day should be a new day for me in Christ. When was the last time that we really enjoyed a new day in Christ in our life? When was the last time we had a good old-fashioned cry and went to the one? 
because of his worthiness. For ye have not the spirit of bondage, I am free at last. Again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. I belong to God the Father, and I can cry out, Father means it's the same as daddy now I would not dare be so crude but when was the last time that you were laid up in bed and you can say father I don't know what you got planned for tomorrow Hezekiah was told he was going to die he rolled over and I can see the tear as it reaps from his face and he goes, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Whatever your plan is, Lord, let me accept it and I will be ready for you. Pretty soon the missionary was turned around by God and he was given 15 more years. People wonder why he was given 15 years. We'll read the next chapter and you can see that Manasseh was born and he began to take rulership at the age of 12. Oh yeah, Hezekiah, your day is done. But I'm not done with the world yet. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. I cannot tell you the sermon the preacher preached. I cannot tell you anything about the service. I was ready to fall asleep and be done with it. I was already done. But God wasn't done yet. And immediately I felt the quickening and the, the immediate response that had to occur without it. And that immediate response was, I am a child of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs to God, and join heirs with Christ, so that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. Do you realize that every day I have the opportunity to know more and more about Jesus Christ and what he has done for me? And I am so thankful that he gives that opportunity. But the reality is, is that when I stand up, I ask myself over and again, who's going to believe what I have to offer? Now think about this. I can't offer them glory. I can't offer them place. I can't offer them riches. I can't offer them anything whatsoever. I can only offer them what the Word of God says, and that is salvation that is in Christ Jesus. I can only point to them what Jesus Christ did upon the cross of Calvary, and that he was beaten and he was literally just wore out for our benefit. I don't have anything to offer the world because we are not of this world. That is, when we go out, we can say, Lord, open the eyes of those that are lost. Go before. Have you ever had someone that immediately, when the word was being preached, that they were called to conviction? Once when I was up in Jackson, Ohio, I preached the word of God. And this lady was sitting on this side, and she was just literally listening to every word that I had to say. I expected her to jump up at any moment and say, I want, to, I want this Jesus that you preach about. And at the end, she made a beeline straight to the front and said, I want to know more about Christ. How deep the Father's love for us. Isn't that not magnificent? In Christ alone, I am assured of what he has given me. 
the wonderful value that I have before others to see is this, because God opens the doors, and I preach the gospel knowing that only those that are really seeking Him, not the wealth of this world, not the promises of this world, not the things that Satan is going to promise, but the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And every day that I get the opportunity to tell others of Christ, I get to enjoy it. And that's something. He gave it all for me. And do you realize that every sermon that I preach, you know, a lot of times people, when they, when they hear me preach, they say, well, you didn't say the word election. You're right. You didn't say predestination. You're right. You didn't say, you didn't say all the, uh, the, the irresistible grace, and you didn't say all these things. You're right. But it's there. Do you realize that I can't make anyone know Christ? I can't. But the Holy Spirit said, are you listening? The Holy Spirit says, are you paying attention? He's telling you about Jesus Christ. I don't know how many people are listening across the airwaves. I don't know how many people are finding the, the opportunity to come to Facebook and listen to the message. But the reality is, is they are hearing the, the truth for the first time. Who hath believed our report? The world doesn't want to listen to our report. But those that are redeemed... Those that shall be redeemed in him will hear the report. And that's the beauty of it all. His salvation should always be our delight. And I think, I'm going to make sure that I'm in the right verse here. But I, say, I think I'm putting it down. Yes. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 43. I want you to hear these words. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. And we're going to conclude with these two verses. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he hath formed thee, O Israel, fear not. Can you imagine as Isaiah the prophet is writing these things down? Here's the little part of it. Scattered all across the plains, Israel has already been scattered, the, the northern tribes. And so when you begin to see this message that is given to Judah, if you will, it is one, don't take it for granted because you're of the Judean tribe, that you're much better than everybody else. You need Christ. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. Man, I love that part, don't you? I redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. I love that. I can actually say I love it because every time that I have questions about the Son of God, he can whisper in my ear, you belong to me. Oh, I don't feel adequate. But he does show the adequate way. Look at verse 2. When thou passest through the waters... I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the, 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 the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. I want you to get this. The day is going to come 
where I'm going to cross over the Jordan. You know, one of the final words that Stonewall Jackson stated, and I believe that he was truly a man of God, he said, let us go to the other side of the river and rest beneath the shade of the tree. Now, now think about that for a moment. What kind of faith would it take for me to say, Brother Randy, I'm going to take my, my, my step towards heaven. Greg, Dennis, I'm going to take my steps towards heaven. Joe, I'm going to take my step toward heaven. And you'll find me beneath the tree of life because he is my tree of life. I go to heaven and I know that the day is going to come that I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ. I'm going to go, I'm so ashamed. All my sins, all my wickedness, all my depravity has brought me down low. I trust in you. And I can see my Lord lifting me up and saying, Oh, son, you're home. Can you imagine the Lord saying, Bring the best robe. Bring the ring. Bring the shoes. My child. Isn't that amazing? And it all began with something simple. It all began with this word. Father, again, thank you for the blessings. And I pray now that you'll go with us and that you'll guide us and watch over us as we conclude in these services. And Lord, if there's one person that has heard the message and maybe they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that you will give them the understanding and the care that they need and help us to be faithful to witness to them and to know the truth of all that you've given. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, do you have a concluding song?